Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Miami Connection. This episode was commissioned by Rookie Saavedra, and you should all be thanking Rookie now, because you're in for a treat. For those of you who loved our Troll 2 and Zardoz and The Thief and the Cobbler and The Room shows, get ready for another dive into the pool of movies that are so poorly made, such astonishing feats of ineptitude that they take on a hypnotic quality and prove themselves, especially the story of their making, to be more fascinating than most competently made fare. Because this film was described by one of the few who reviewed it in its tiny release in 1988 as a cocaine war rock ninja motorcycle gang film with aspirations of being an action-adventure musical, starring, written, directed and produced by a man who simply cannot talk. However, far from this being a vapid vanity project made by a man as confused and mean to his cast and crew as Tommy Wiseau, Y.K. Kim, the creative source of this story, is conversely fairly humble and gentle, and uh, we will have fun with his work without getting too mean, because it's a delightful disaster. With us are longtime fans of this movie, though not for that long, as it's only re-emerged from total obscurity in, was it 2012? 2010. 2010. Karen Nugisa. Oh my god! <laughs> and Debbie Morse. Only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. Never truer words have been spoken. Both, <laughs> both of sequentially yours. A uh, pair of lovely people who happen to live in Orlando, Florida, and who were our guides when we went to visit Disney last year. These two are actually, as I understand it, quite familiar with the various locations used in this film. Is that correct? Just a few of them. Okay, cool. A little bit. So let's start at the beginning. Well, I was going to read the synopsis, but it gives away too much of the plot, and I think I'd rather just unfold it like a game of consequences. <laughs> you ever play that where you someone writes something on a piece of paper and then hand, like folds it over and hands it on, and then like you all write a story in this room, and this is written by five deranged people on various different substances <laughs> at once. Um, yes, I've played that. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm pretty sure that's how Frankenstein was made, right? <laughs> yeah, I think Mary Shelley just started passing around the consequences. But uh, yeah, this is... Um... 
No, she's a, she was a genius. So let's. Yes, uh, so we're going to start at the beginning, and because um, I, I will say from the very beginning, this is actually five films running parallel. And like as we go through, I will highlight which of each of these films basically like has the talking stick at that point. Uh, there, uh, film one is I want to be a singer, but my brother doesn't like my guitarist boyfriend. Number two is. Dude, let's film ourselves going about our daily lives at college and hanging out in shops and at the beach and in clubs and in restaurants. Film number three is Sensitive Bros. Film number four is Ninja (laughs) Cocaine Smugglers. And film number five is The Warriors 2. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I could see all of those. And and you do know instantly, guys, don't you, which ones we mean by all of them. Which which little like it, it veers back and forth between these five channels. So imagine like it's. Uh, did you ever play that um, that rock band game where, where you just play with your controller? Rock band blitz. Yeah. Yeah, imagine yeah. like you're veering. Like, you have to go left and right on the lanes by pressing the right bumper and left bumper, right? But this film does that at like hyperspeed, and it goes. Oh, I'm gonna just go across to dude. Let's film ourselves now. We're gonna go across to sensitive bros now. Ninja cocaine smugglers. Um, <laughs> So we begin with ninja cocaine smugglers in this somewhere in Miami. Somewhere in Miami, in this openly yeah. shady coke deal, which yeah. gets it's interrupted by ninjas. Now, I mean, okay, you guys know this film more than I do. Does Miami suffer from ninja bikers quite as much as they're implied here, or You'd did they deal su- with this? You would be surprised how few ninja bikers there are in Miami. I, I grew up around there, and I mean. I saw a couple of ninja grocery store owners mm-hmm. and even a few ninja secretaries, but mm-hmm. very few ninja bikers. That is a shame. It feels like a missed opportunity for ninjas. <laughs> like, come to sunny Miami. There's cocaine deals going down all the time that you can interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ninja club dancers that you really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So this was like filmed in 87, and as I understand it, Miami Vice was a big thing in the 80s, right? Yes. So, so it's kind of got a bit of that flavor, but they couldn't possibly get like police budgets. They had to get like five bros hanging out together budgets. So, um, yeah, this uh, the Coke deal as well. This section doesn't feel like any of the rest of the movie because the movie turns a corner after this. And like a bunch of ninjas run in and like you know carve up the, the the coke dealers and steal the coke. The ninja who grabs the briefcase full of cocaine leaves four keys of it just sitting on the table and just runs off. And it's like stick around for two extra seconds, guys. I'm fairly certain that's valuable. <laughs> the ninjas in this movie, I'm not sure what's going on with them because sometimes they're super stealthy to the point that they forget about stuff, and sometimes mm. they're like, "We're just going to ride our motorcycles wearing our ninja outfits." Oh, they're very this, overt there. I was just going to say this is very much the um, the inverse rule of ninja competence. Oh yeah, yes. basically the, <laughs> one ninja the deadly thing as is, hell. Yeah, one ninja is virtually invincible. Ten ninjas. Might give you a little bit of trouble, but ultimately you're probably going to be able to battle them all off. A hundred ninjas, useless. Useless the lot. Saying a hundred ninjas suggests there were a hundred ninjas in this film. It's more like ten. They're pretending there's a hundred. I was just going to say, there's ten guys. They just keep filming them in different scenarios. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure there are more actual bikers in this film than there were ninjas. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they just, there were at least one scene where they just went round and filmed bikers who had nothing to do with the film. They are genuine bikers. I can yeah. tell this by the fact that several of the women and a couple of the men are missing teeth, and I doubt very much that they are professional actors. I, I can oh, yeah, only... no, they were actual bikers. They were paid in beer, and over 100 of them went to the premiere. They nice. were a good portion of the opening night box office of bikers that were in this film and paid in beer. Super. <laughs> I did real good up there. You really believed I was a biker. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, these ninjas are all, like, immediately after this heist, such as it is, were just sort of sitting down on their knees, as ninjas tend to do, and this, uh, this white-clad ninja, what's his name? Yoshi- Yoshito. Shido, yeah. He's like this white-clad ninja sensei sort of turns up and goes, you are all pig-dog swine ninjas. You rubbish ninjas. You didn't even get the money, you bunch of idiots. I got the money. He's like the only competent ninja. Which is a really great way to defang your ninjas from the very beginning. Just go, <laughs> these guys don't know what they're doing. Well, those were the decorative ninjas. Yeah. Those okay. aren't the real ones. Well, they then ne- don't go back to these ninjas in a serious way till the very end of the film. They abandon this plot immediately. Like, they, they, they turn up, but they're not really ninja-ing all no. that much. They're like, they're, this no. storyline's going nowhere. Let's cut to film number yeah. one. So they cut to... Uh, uh, that, well, I want to be a singer, yeah. So um, it cuts to bikers by day, ninjas by night. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> The first of a series of very literal songs. Like, if if you folks out there have played Far Cry Blood Dragon and finished it, you already know the intro sequence music to this film. That, I mean, I'll play it now, but I'm going to have to sing it anyway. That friends forever we stick together. Something, something That's the one. Um, Which will be stuck in your head for. Day. They play and play that thing from beginning to end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Friends for eternity, loyalty, honesty, something, something, and thick and thin. <laughs> They don't mind whether their friends are thick or thin. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, it's nice like, it's kind of like the beginning of uh, Streets of Fire mm. on a budget, on a much, much smaller budget. So, hang on a second. It's actually, so it's two musical numbers open this one. Uh, there's the, nin- the the cocaine heist. Then there's the ninja- Bikers by Day, Ninjas by Night song. Then it cuts to Friends, which like just plays through in the club, and you are introduced to the band, Dragon Sound. Who, huh. who are allergic to shirts? <laughs> they don't yeah. like shirts. It would appear. Hugh Jackman was thrown out of the band for occasionally putting a shirt on. <laughs>
none of them seem like they're in the same band as one another. Oh, no, yeah. It's, no, like, it's like there's five people all on stage, and they all thought that they were supposed to be in their own themed bands. Yeah. And the thing is, they, they have a theme, but we can't see that theme, like, visually. So, basically, it's just a bunch of people who are there, like... I guess I'm in the Taekwondo band. No, I'm in the shirtless guitar band. <laughs> no, I'm the drummer. That's it. That's my thing. Um, like, is uh, uh well, like, we're gonna have to go through these five guys. Um, did they found five guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I ate a five well, guys while we were no, in because Orlando. Then the restaurant would be called Five Guys and Pat Benatar. True. True. <laughs> It would probably just have been called Dragon Sound, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's the, the, the front man, who's actually one of the least important members of the group, is, I believe, named Tom? Yes, Tom. Guy with the mullet. So, like, stripped to the waist, shrimpy little dork, wearing, like, a Hall & Oates moustache mm. with the, like, with this this curly mullet and pigeon chest. He's uh, not an impressive figure of a man, and tends but to be kind of weaselly in the group. But he seems yeah. to be the best musician, and this this leads to another theory yeah. that I had about this film, which is that basically the source of how this all started is a group of people who all had very disparate skills, mm-hmm. none of which is acting, I might add. <laughs> and uh, YK Kim thought, I can make a movie out of this lot. Dude, so we should start a my band. My skill is taekwondo, obviously. Yeah. Um, my uncle, whatever his name is, skill is being a short order cook. I'm pretty sure we can work that into it somewhere. Um, he didn't can, join the band. There's a, there's a guy yeah. in the bar um, who has the skill of being able to shove a nail up his nose and take it out again, which he does apropos of nothing. Yeah, just curse. <laughs> and and just Tom what? happens to be a pretty talented guitarist. If that is him playing, yeah. If that's him playing, but but basically he, shreds that he thing. ends up with yeah. about three solos, and it's it's like it's purely to showcase Tom. There is no narrative purpose for these yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Concerning Tom, isn't that important to the plot no, or the story or anything? Like, he's he, so... he is the he's the damsel in this movie, he if is. anything. And we just keep giving him screen time for some reason. That's to build up uh, caring, so that when he does get kidnapped, we go, "Oh no, not Tom! Not oh, Tom. Tom is his Who's name. Tom, play our guitar not, now? not the mullet guy. No." Yeah. Um, he's also the only one who apparently writes their songs because he's the only one we see writing a song later. So they need Tom for reasons. So is Tom their like intense frontman musician with mystique? He's or? the guitarist with mystique. There's also jo- oh, hang on, John. Yes, John. John is like the 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 hero question mark of the story. <laughs> Like it's it's a it's very much, they share it across the team, but he's the pretty boy, right? He, well, he's, he's the one with the girlfriend. He's the hero by virtue of the fact that he's the tallest. So if everyone stands behind him, you can't see anyone else. This is a monstrously <laughs> tall man. He is he yeah. is so tall, and the fact that Jane is really little, yeah. looks really comical. He's wearing a trench coat that looks like if you put it on a normal sized man, would be down to his ankles. Is he Vincent Adultman? He might be. <laughs> <laughs> I got a girlfriend. That explains the little there is a scene when they're walking across the quad. I'll explain that now. And his girlfriend has her arm around him, but it's under his jacket. So it looks like there's this hand protruding from his side. I thought it was Kawato from Total Recall. And he was like, great, start the reactor. But 
But apparently it's her hand. And just like, you know, it's it's during the quad walking scene. It's coming up in just a second. But uh, but yeah, like so he's a monstrously tall man. And he's just kind of your, your decent, nice guy. I kept calling him Mark because he kind of reminds me of Mark from The Room. Um, but the market here. Yeah, but there's another Mark which confuses things. Yeah. So um, so I, I stopped and had to actually call him by his real name, which is John. And is he a guitarist or a rhythm guitarist? I, I don't think he's a yes, guitarist. He's one of those. I mean, he's so tall, he should be the bassist. But at the same time, he doesn't quietly fade into the background, so he can't really be a bassist. Do they even have a bassist? Did no, they? they don't have a bassist. They don't have a bass? Of no, course. Like guitarist. Jeez. Okay, well, maybe Jim's the bassist. Doesn't Jim play keyboards? No, no, he's got no, keytar. Yeah, no, yeah, he's the keyboard yes, right, guy. Yeah. Jim with keytar, because of course it's the 80s, so you've got to have a keytar. You've got to. Uh, and Jim is this, well, we'll talk about him later, but he's the sensitive one, and he's a special little guy. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mention Jim in due time. Um, then there's uh, Jack, the other guy, who looks a little bit like um, Oscar Isaac. Uh, I think he's their drummer. And he does nothing in this movie. Ah, no, he's the one. Well, he's who also looks named like John. He... Jack is a nickname for John. Exactly, John and John. You got John, Jack, and Jim, and two of the Johns are also called John. Yes. Um, the uh, he. Looks oh, and Jane's like, the girl, just in case. Uh, <laughs> baby Michael Shannon. Baby Michael Shannon. Yeah. Or killed my daddy with a hammer. Mm. Him. Yes. Yeah, but he doesn't have that scary psychopathic thing going on about no, him. No, no, that's true. Although, he, a couple of scenes he does, because everybody else is talking and laughing together, and he's just standing there staring at the ground because he doesn't know what to do. Oh, jeez. I, sh- I need to keep he's, an eye on Jack. He's probably the worst actor of the bunch, yeah. I'd say. He's the one yeah. who's like, dude, brah, we should like go around the world and like play in all kinds of venues in he that is earnest scene earnest, at, at yeah. the commissary. Yeah. <laughs> When they're, ha- when they're sharing a Pepsi each. Um, there's uh, Jane, who looks like Pat Benatar, and she's like this... Um, she's their singer. She's there, like... Um, she's the singer when they need a girl to sing. That was a thing in the 80s, like Pugwall. You say that was a thing in the 80s, like they've stopped doing it now. Well, I mean, it was more of a thing <laughs> in the 80s. Like saxophones. Where's their saxophonist? Good I gotta question. say. I agree. Good question. I agree. I have, not seen, I have not seen a good saxophone in a movie since either St. Elmo's Fire or The Lost Boys. Yeah. Now, this is how they didn't know anyone that played saxophone, so they don't have a saxophone. Was that guy oh, in... Yeah, there are a million saxophonists <laughs> on that campus. Was that guy in the... I was going to say, maybe The Lost Boys was... After no, when was the Lost Boys released? Eighty-four. Oh, this had to be after that. Uh, Eighty-seven, oh, same year. Oh so I'm willing God. to bet that that saxophonist who's really shredding it in uh, uh, Lost Boys was the last saxophonist, the last oh, saxophonist. Thank <laughs> you, Alex Winter. There is a film to be made. <laughs> the last saxophonist. Of course. <laughs> no, the last rock saxophonist. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Jane's the, the girl, and that's pretty much her character, yeah, right? she's the girl. She's the girl. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like the, an 80s cartoon where you've got this maternal... Go- oh my god, it's totally an 80s cartoon. Yeah. These guys are like the Thundercats. Yeah. Or the Turtles, because I think... Um, yeah, she's their she April, O'Neil. April O'Neil. But you Have see, I shown you... Laura- she doesn't get damseled at any point. They no. use Tom to avoid oh. having to damsel her. Which is a sweet and unexpected scenario. Indeed. Um, hang on, I just want to show you Karu's... Uh, uh, that's Karu's t-shirt. Oh Shirtless music God. taekwondo or, or her pans. Or her pans. Or her pans. 
<laughs> we are all Orpans. I'm right. Yeah. They are. You'll notice there's no John on that shirt. Yeah. Oh, that was. He and Jack are basically the same character, only John got all the. You know, personality and Jack got all the silliness. I thought John was the one who sucked on the fist. No, no, that was Jack. Oh, jeez. See, I get Jack and John confused. And that's quite easy because they're tall and white and nondescript. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the last guy in the band is YK Kim, the guy who wrote the story but not necessarily the script and basically was the, kind of the brainchild of this. Uh, uh, and he plays Mark. And he's this kind of badass Korean guy. What, what instrument does he play? I, I remember seeing him kick... And like fondle the noses with his feet of I, his bandmates, but I don't remember just, seeing him playing an instrument. No, I think he's just like a dancer. He's the beaker. He's Bez. Yeah. In their, in their. Um, he walks forward and, back and backwards again with maracas in a funny way. He's the hype man. Doesn't he pick up a guitar? I think he picks up a guitar at one point during Friends. Like, he has it on where he has the gee top on. It feels and- like they should have a bass line going. Like, someone's got to play bass. I'm going to say that John probably plays bass, because I know that Tom's the lead. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, I thought that they got a lot of their bass from the synth. Or the key, yeah, the keto, I suppose. They could just do, do, and do, do, and do, do, yeah, and do. Yeah, the kind of music that's coming out there, that is synthy bass. Yeah, it doesn't have a spine. It doesn't have that, do, can't seem to face up to the facts. Anyway, so this band plays this song for what feels like an eternity. <laughs> Friends through eternity, songs sing constantly. Um, and then we cut to Orlando, Florida, Daytona Beach, and the bikers enter the club. And um, there's, we also see Steve Carell in Little Miss Sunshine hanging out with the White Ninja. Um, he's this guy with a beard uh, who, what did you say he looked like? He looked like Ellis? Ellis from... Yeah. Yeah. Sharon was saying he looks like Ellis whilst I was in the middle of saying Hans, Bubby, early this <laughs> afternoon. So it's like, yeah. Um, but He's this... also got a little bit of a very young Robin Williams thing going on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But this guy's name is Jeff. Uh, so remember, it's John, Jim, Jane, Jack and Jeff. Just in case we're going to get confused. <laughs> well, I'm glad you laid that out. Because that, that yeah. was perfectly clear. Now, Jeff is not in the band. He is this, the brother of uh, Jane, and he doesn't like the fact that she hangs out with Dragon Sound. My goodness. And like he's going he's gonna to shake his head so much, he's going to shake that whole like long tooth earring off himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going like, to tear himself out of his combat fatigues that he wears day to day. The wardrobe choices in this film are... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and put money or beer, which is what they paid the bikers with, on the idea that these people were asked to bring whatever they had lying around at home in to wear. Much like when they made Mad Max, the original Mad Max, they just bought their own costumes. It feels like that was it, which is possibly why they're stripped down to their shorts most of the time. It's like, yeah. oh, dear, bro, I forgot to bring a costume. Again? Is it, so it's like PE. You forget your kit. You've you got to do it in your, your pants. Watch yeah. day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? So, <laughs> meanwhile, at the University of Central Florida, um, they, they, I think they're, this is the only time they actually ever go to class. They make a big deal out of the fact that they, they attend this university. And Tom, like, the, the teacher says... Uh, like a really awkward ass line about music. One of the most popular scales in classical music is the harmonic minor scale. The next two weeks we'll be studying this scale and its related chords. At this time, I'd like to ask Tom if he would to come up and play the harmonic scale for us. 
And I just thought, is that actually a music teacher? Because it feels like it should be a music teacher, and she should feel at home and comfortable with saying these words. Did they get yeah, no, a that... janitor to do it? <laughs> I think that was an actual teacher, but I don't think it was a music teacher. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a real teacher, though, that was there, because... All right, so the thing to understand about this movie yeah. and why it takes place in Orlando, despite being called the Miami Connection, is that YK Kim is actually kind of a big deal here and was even more so in the 80s. Okay. So basically the city and the cops said, film anywhere you want without a permit. We're not going to stand in your way. You make whatever movie you want. So he was Mr. one of the Kim. sons of the city. Yeah. They, they should have given him a big key. Yeah, I, I agree. Maybe they did. I I don't know about that. But no, he was a he was a big deal. Like almost everybody in power, their kids took lessons from him, and he was you know nice to everybody. So he like ran a taekwondo school, right? Yeah, he ran several. I think at the time he ran like seven of them. Jeez, because I know that my he actually, actually had to mortgage his teacher. school to uh, to actually yeah. make this film. You know when Pete when he went around and asked people, "Hey, do you mind if we do this?" People were volunteering to be part of this like you know when we talk about the cops later remind me to tell you the story about that but the cops who show up at the brawl later they mm-hmm. were part of this and like everybody wanted to be part of master kim's thing whatever it is so yeah i, I would not be surprised if that was an actual i know it was an actual teacher i wouldn't be surprised if they heard about this and said can i be in this and YK Kim being who he is said yes without really thinking about maybe this person maybe we should find somebody who can say the lines <laughs> <laughs> Richard Park a film director saw YK Kim on the Korean talk show meet at 11pm uh, Kim was promoting a book about Taekwondo uh, Park met Kim and convinced him to make a film Park had see here's the thing Richard Park is a film director and he, yeah from the looks of it he did direct this film in collaboration with YK Kim. Right, okay, so they did the re- uh, so Kim did the reshoots, okay. So uh, he conceptualized the story while watching Kim's interview. Early plans involved casting Bobby Kim, no relation of YK Kim, it's a very popular name in Korea, as one of two brothers, with YK Kim playing the other brother. The working title was Taekwondo. Kim borrowed from friends, took out loans, spent all of his savings, and mortgaged his school to produce the film. So I'm assuming if he had seven schools, he mortgaged all of them. Yeah. He, had, he had never made a film before, that much is clear. Erin uh, <laughs> Sullivan of Orlando Weekly said that Kim had no idea what he was doing. Again, that much is clear. Kim said that he hoped to find a distributor so the film would play nationally, but hundreds of distributors, companies, and studios rejected the film, including all of the major film distributors and several independent ones. He later said every distribution company rejected it after screening and said to me, don't waste your time, just throw it away, it is trash. After the rejection, Kim continued to work on the film by refilming and reworking portions of it. A small distribution company purchased it for $100,000. Kim planned to, as stated by Sullivan, make a movie that draws attention to exciting martial arts action, not computer-generated. Well, for a start, in 1988, you couldn't computer-generate much of anything at all. <laughs> um, but this cost a million dollars, and the fact that he only got 100000 back for it is horrible, because mm-hmm. and that's, that's a huge loss. So, yeah. like, to begin with... Like you couldn't get more of a failure as in terms of this being a film. It's made haphazardly and all over the place and totally unprofessionally, but there's there's something in there that we're going to get to, and there's there's several bits which show you kind of get to see kind of more of the guy that Kim is through this film in the same way that you can see who Tommy Wiseau is from watching the the, the room, and you can see who Ed Wood is from watching Glenn or Glenda. Yeah. Jane, 
I'm wondering about your family. Do you have any family or anything? I haven't met anybody yet. Or... Well, I have a brother, as a matter of fact. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be going to this nice school and staying in the nice dorm I'm staying in. It's really nice to him. Except for one thing. I don't really like him. What? You don't like your own brother? Why? Well, I can't really explain it. I just don't like him. Don't worry about it. Then John decides he's got to go see about a girl after, you know, these guys are hanging out. And they, they, we cut to computer programming class and Jane and, and, and John kind of like, he's outside the room kind of like gesticulating wildly to her. And she's like, oh, you silly. Then they walk along the noisiest quad ever. It is just yammer in a way. And this is the kind of thing that um, you'd fix with uh, ADR if you knew what you were doing. If you you'd... had access yeah. to anything that yeah. meant you could do oh, it. Oh, they did, because they poorly ADR'd things later, just not this scene. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so just everyone's chatting away, and they're sort of trying to say their lines whilst they're moving through a bunch of people who probably just agreed, oh, yeah, I'll be in the film. And just like, right outside the math and sciences building. Oh, right. Did, so did you? Did any of you attend this university? I or? graduated from UCF, oh, yes. Oh, man. Okay, tell I us. Used to, I used to run a LARP um, just around the corner from where most of these scenes were shot. Wow. It's, uh, it's by, uh, it was a changeling LARP, but it's by the Reflecting Pond, which they didn't show in there, and I'm wondering why, because it's a beautiful little fountain thing had you, that we have there. Had you known about the film at the time, I think you probably would have LARPed as dragon sound yes and actually like staged warriors style gang fights with larp i i I did stage warrior style gang fights with larp but they were uh, fairies because it was a changeling game of course so and i yeah obviously but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i i wish i had known about dragon sound at the time because that would have been perfect I uh, deliberately put on uh, during the station fight when they're at the um, the train yard. Uh, after we watched it through once again yesterday, I rewound it and uh, stuck on the music from Streets of Rage Two during that um, sequence and just sort of filled in the uh, sound effects of <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And it really works. It just it feels like like an eighties brawler. Uh, yeah, effectively. and and which is like significant because the final fight and Double Dragon were kind of based on the warriors anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it works really well actually when you think. Yeah, the the fights and the brawls in the movie are are pretty good. I mean, and it's it makes sense because they are fighters, mm. yeah. or at least YK Kim is. Yeah, yeah, and all of them were his students. Like right, a lot of these people were his students, um, so they could just another- about handle themselves. Yeah. Another thing that I kind of noticed about this that was a little ahead of its time was what we now call ramping. It's poorly done ramping, but that switch between fast motion, slow motion, fast motion again. Mm. I mean, that's a Michael Bay thing that is like now we think is a fantastic thing. It's like this was a bit ahead of its time in that respect. Hang on. Well, didn't the six million dollar man used to do that? That that kind of like, you know, he'd jump and then it would go and then it would go back to normal motion. Or is this the other way around? This it was that way, but I only watched a little bit of Six Million Dollar Man. But as far as I know, they usually did it as a cut. Right. So they would they would have him running and then cuts right. to a slow motion shot, and then they cut couldn't back. do the edit around it. They didn't even have the tech in those days, or they didn't yeah. feel that 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 was uh, the sort of shot that they would. But like maybe they just didn't even think about it. 
Maybe, yeah. But, uh, but here you have people jumping in the air at regular speed and then slowing down to kick somebody in the face mm. and then landing at regular speed again. It's like, that's a, that's a little bit ahead of its time, and i got to give them credit for that. Yeah. Uh, so the the bad I put here the bad ninjas show up, but they're actually it's kind of confusing because you see these ninjas at the beginning and then they're never mentioned again. For some reason, I thought when I watched it the first time that these guys showing up were were like the ninjas without their ninja outfits. They're, this is the one with like Steve Carell um, from yeah. Little Miss Sunshine, Jeff, uh, and and his mates. But I ended up uh, calling them was it the Cause Light Cobra Kai because they are. <laughs> They're effectively redneck stereotypes. But, uh, there's this one guy who looks like Woody Harrelson dressed as Kid Rock in a belly shirt. And I, think... I called him extra heroin Axl Rose. Right. Okay, so like, I think with that, that barrage of imagery, folks at home could pretty much get their heads around what the uh, calls like Cobra Kai are actually like. The, uh, the KLCK. <laughs> the click. The click. The click. Yes. Very good. <laughs> So, so yeah, the the the, the calls like Cobra Kai turn up, and and uh, Steve Carell, Im- like Jane says, "Hey, this is my new boyfriend," and Steve Carell smacks him in the face. He's like, "Nah, fuck that! You don't have a boyfriend." Is, is it that he's because he's dragon sound, or because he just hates the idea of his sister having a boyfriend? I think the latter. I, does, yeah. Well, I said, didn't I, that the that she responds to this like, "Oh my god, how could you do this?" I strongly get the impression he's done precisely this oh, many yeah. times before. Yeah. I think the implication is that he's paying for her school with right. his drug dealing, Ew. and he wants her to concentrate only on school and not on boyfriends. Boys. Or at least that's his excuse. He's no good. I mean, that, yeah. that would have been like a good for some good drama if they hadn't just killed him practically off camera later on. Yes. But they do. Spoiler warning. Um <laughs> So, I, I, yeah. I would say my my take on that is a little bit different. I think I think Carr is right about that. But I also think um, they do something that I noticed last night, which we, we just watched it last night, as he said. And we hadn't watched it in probably a year or two, I, yeah. I'd oh, say. Man. And I noticed that at that very beginning shot, the, the first time you see whatever group coming in and I don't remember I have a hard time remembering exactly where things happen in this movie yeah so it's, it's quite messy <laughs> but they they were um, angry about it because it's kind of sounded like Jane's brother Je- uh, Jeff he was supposed to be doing the music in that club and they hired Dragon Sound instead of him and so he's extra pissed off with Dragon Sound because they got work he was supposed to get I think yeah, that, that might have been a thing. Is that the thing? Because I know that definitely can, comes in just a bit, and I wasn't sure if that was Jeff's band or a completely different band. I think there's other Beard Guys band, the guy who gets progressive. Does everyone have a gang that's also a band? <laughs> yes, fronted by a man with a beard. Hey, i got to make ends meet. Just cocaine yeah. smuggling for my ninja friends isn't paying off as much as I'd like to. I also like to play prog rock. <laughs> yes. So, this is <laughs> the this sound. Lake Palmer and Jeff. Aola <laughs> <laughs> Lake Palmer and Jeff. Oh, very good. Yes. <laughs> there is a conversation in the car, I think, where Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Says something about um, the the 
working, uh, doing taekwondo doesn't make that much money. So they have to keep playing in the club until mm. they can find another job. Yeah. And I'm sat there thinking, how much does playing in this club pay? Because that seems kind of like a labour of love. Again, really. they may have been paid in beer. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the only one of them that seems to have a viable business here is um, Mark's uncle, who has the the restaurant. The restaurant, restaurant. yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come to that restaurant in a bit. Um, so is it his uncle? It is his 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 uncle. Yes, maybe. The, the, the family connections in this are really weird. Mm. Um, and later on, I'll bring up another one. But yeah, it's it's. I know it's Wusong Park. Mm. So that's him, but... Uh... You could simply say the connections in this film are really weird, because every <laughs> yeah. single connection between any two people, you're like, hang on, what's going on here? And they never explain anything. Nope. Yeah. It's it's an enigma. Every single connection is an enigma wrapped in a mystery. mystery. There's so, a lot of, uh, of best friend dynamics going on yeah. between numerous members of the gang. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of closeness. Yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah. real closeness. So anyway, uh, um, Mark turns up to defend John, who's been slapped to the ground by Jeff, and um, he announces very loudly to anyone who'll listen, I am not scared of you at all, at all. And he punctuates this by flinging his hand up like a bullfighter. Nowhere, let's go. And it's <laughs> it's such a ostentatious and absurd way of delivering that line. Mm. The introductory line for the character. Yeah. Is that, he's not spoken before then. But the, the no, most... he hasn't. Jeff, this is my friend John. Well, Jeff, I heard a lot of good things about you. Where'd you find this son of a bitch? He's a friend of mine from school. A friend? Awkward pause. How can you act like that? Just shut up! How could you even call yourself my brother? Enough! That guy is not for you! What happened to... Another awkward pause. Are these bums your friends? There's just some misunderstanding. You don't understand. I'm her brother. When I tell you leave her alone, leave her alone. Whatever you say. Just remember what I said if you don't want to get hurt. You don't scare me at all. Jane, I want to talk at to you all. later. Goodbye. Let's go. Hey, John, you're... Yeah, I'm okay, but if Jane wasn't there, I'd have kicked his ass. The most disappointing thing about it is that it does not immediately break out into a dance battle. Yeah, I mean, yes. that really looked like it was about to be someone was going to get served. Yeah. But <laughs> no boomboxes, nothing. And it feels like these guys could... I mean, like... Dragon sounds dancing with their sort of hand claps versus uh, the the drunken break dancing of the uh, cause light Cobra Kai. Indeed. Can I get a top that? You can't top that or top cat. So um, the dragon sound now fully disturbed by uh, Jeff's intervention, completely shrug it off and go to a music store to make a nuisance of themselves. Yes. <laughs> They immediately start playing on the drums and then start playing Stairway and the guy goes ballistic in a kind of, you're just coming in here all the time. Nobody even buys so much as a triangle. Get out. You're da- it's like he's treating them like they're raccoons or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you behave like one. <laughs> stop making nests in the saxophones. You know that's not what they're for. <laughs> 
And then they immediately go to. They then proceed to the um, the deli or, or restaurant of um, uh, Mark's uncle. They they kind of like they're very rowdy when they come in and sit down. They're like, "Hey, how's it going, Uncle? Who's the king?" It's a motif throughout the thing mm. is sitting down to eat. Yeah, because that signifies. Uh, sorry, I can't. Go, I can't keep this off. I'm trying to keep a straight voice. Well, they do they do eat the. They, look, straw, shortly after that, you can't keep them from eating at all. Like there, there's um, they, they have that Pepsi. They have that breakfast. It's it's a multi course meal. Somebody's forcing food down their throats. Oh, they're literally. fingering each other's mouths. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so then we cut to another song that, uh, that they're playing in another club, Against the Ninja, which is, again, <laughs> remarkably literal. I don't know if they've ever gone up against yeah. ninjas before, but they're about to. Yeah, is that, does that count as foreshadowing? <laughs> I think it does. Like, you know, in this movie, yes. Jane would say later in later years, you know, it's funny. We hadn't gone up against any ninjas before I wrote against the ninja. You know, I just then we had to that's keep where, playing it. That's where they reveal that Tom is psychic and yeah. knew that they would be going up against ninjas, so wrote this song months in advance so they could rehearse it. Right now, as I, I understand it, this second time they're at the club, that's when they get a gig that another bunch of ninjas who also have a band were going to get. That's when Dexie's Midnight Runners turn up. Um, from <laughs> these were the like you know you've got the 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 was it the Clown Furies in the Warriors, the yeah. Susies, the Bros, the Gramercy Riffs, the Rogues, the Turnbull ACs, the Lizzies, the Punks, the Boppers, the Hurricanes, the Hi Hats, the Electric Eliminators. Not making these up. The Saracens, the Jones Street Boys, the Savage Huns, the Satan's Mothers. The Boyle Avenue Runners, the Baseball Furies, not the Clown Furies, the Moon Runners, the Van Cortland Rangers, the Panzers, the Gladiators, and the Orphans. Holy shit. I'm just reading this after the fact during the edit, but I'm going to go ahead and say headcanon, the Orphans were in fact in pursuit of the Warriors. There was crossover. Can you dig it? And uh, then there was, of course, the Dexys Midnight Runners, because this guy turns up in this really fetching little red neck scarf 
and and hat on his fluffy hair and and starts acting really aggressive with them and it's like oh that's adorable <laughs> he's like hey man yeah, two scarves i mean that's yeah. that's baller right there he's like hey buddy we lost work because of you oh hang on a minute is this when they're in the car yeah they're in right. the car no, 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 and yeah. dexy's midnight runners it's turn not, up and surround their car it's not working at the club that they pinched off them it's the job in the restaurant because remember, Mark says to them, "What did I do? I, I, and I'm Asian. I got a job from an Asian, or something like that." Right. I think that's that's what he's talking about. Working. Is this a they check out jabs yes. situation? I think it might be. <laughs> this is prescient, folks. <laughs> so, wow. from, from the sounds of it, these 18 men have been denied work by these five men. I can tell you right <laughs> now, not all of you guys were getting those jobs. No. And uh, they, they start a, a street fight. That's when we get the previously mentioned quite impressive uh, fighting moments. And uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, and YK is uh, is the is the star in this scenario. And there's a lot of uh, sort of slow mo kicks there in the street. But there's a lot of them, and they get the floor wiped with them. Is this the one that oh, has like, the tonally inconsistent violence? Yeah, that one. This film or this, this sequence? I, I don't know. Uh, I think that the, actually the... no. This one, this one, I think was fairly consistent in the violence. It was mostly punching and kicking. Mm. This wasn't very sharp pipes. <laughs> That's the ninja fight at the beginning, right? Yes. Right. There's some of that in the beginning, and then there's the one at the grain elevator Question storage mark? <laughs> thing. <laughs> the Church Street one, which is I think what we're talking about here. The Trichute Station one, that's the that's fairly consistent. That one's just, you know, punching and kicking and the one guy gets his leg broken by Jack, oh, I yeah. guess. So is this to say would they have closed off Church Street for this? Or was this gonna be like street hockey? They'd be like car and then just everyone <laughs> steps to one side, the car drives by and everyone inside's like turning around and were they having a street fight? And they're like, Oh no, it's fine, madam. We're just we're just having a play street fight. There's cameras, see? It feels like they couldn't afford to close the off a whole street. I wonder about that they filmed it in the middle of the night during the week. Yeah. Um, they might have been able to pull that off. In 1987, not today. Forget it today. But, but it would yeah. have been a car type situation. Or do you think that they yeah. ran up to one end of the street and put some little orange cones down just to like divert people, but without I asking think they permission? Had people just standing there with their arms out in the middle of the street, no, going, "No, no, no, not this way. No detour." Oh, side what note: when uh, 28 Days was later was made, and they had to have that empty London, they stopped blokes coming out of clubs early in the morning to kind of like barge their way into shots um, by having uh, attractive petite women standing at the exits going, no, just keep going the other way down to the other and sort of diverting them away from the where, where the shots were. The idea being that these, you know, every, all the club goers wouldn't start a fight with petite um, a lot of women. clubs have um, young, attractive um, female bouncers for the same reason. I suppose so. That makes sense. Ah. Um, but uh, I suppose for this, they would have had um, you know the the off-brand um, that the the non-hero uh, cause like uh, Cobra Kai um, doing the directing traffic and telling people to keep moving along. And so I suppose the less threatening ones or the more threatening ones. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. I'm trying to think who was not... I think Jim was not really in that fight, so they mm. might have just had Jim directing traffic. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Jim... And then one side of the street was blocked off by cars. Okay. Just because of the way it was blocked. The so, way the scene was blocked, so... So they fight all night long, and then they return at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> 
to their the house. The vast majority of that gang ran away. Like, there was that scene where you had all of them streaming out like rats in front of a flood. Yeah, they're like, like, one right. of these guys can handle himself. We are out of here. Yeah. Like, what is going on? We didn't get you into realize this fight there are to get 20 punched. of you, right? Yeah. Um, okay, but th- so they return to the, the house where they all live together. And um, they're just hanging around pre-shower or possibly post-shower, stripped to the waist. I mean, uh, Jim here has his... Jim is in the process of shower. His pants are open, yeah. his, his underpants are showing, he's got a towel slung over his shoulder. And Jim is the sensitive guy that I mentioned before. And we're going to tell you why and how, because this is his scene. Because he gets a letter, and um, is it Tom, the mullet guy, who teases him with it? Yes. Yeah. No, that was John. Oh, no, John, John was sorry. Teased him with it. John teases him with it, and eventually he like gets it off John, and, and, and everyone's sort of laughing. And remember, we've just had a Warriors Two Street fight here, so it is we are, we are like the, the the high kicks are still kind of burned into our brain, and we're still kind of adrenaline pumping from that. Um, Jim reads his letter and starts getting really quiet, and then the guys ask him, "What's up, Jim?" And then they look at the uh, picture in there and say, is that your brother? And he goes, no, 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 that's my, that's my father. And then he tells them about his father and mother getting together and how that happened. And uh, his father was from African America and his mother was Korean. <laughs> that's a direct quote. Yes. Um, and uh, as a result, he was born, but his father was never there for him. And now he's got a letter that suggests, like, he's always tried to find him, but no, but he's just scared of finding him, or he didn't want to find him. Or... Yeah, his father was in the military, mm. um, and basically he's been tracked down by the... Um, DOD. The, yeah. Right. Okay. So... In just explaining this, Jim is within seconds moved to horrible tears. And it is one of the most awkward, nakedly honest moments of emotion I've ever seen in a film. And it's so difficult to watch. And at the same time, it feels like, where did this come from? It feels really authentic. This is something that really struck me. There's a handful of moments like this in this storyline throughout the film. And basically, they're like these guys just being incredibly supportive of one another. Mm. Yeah. And it and none of it feels fake. It all feels like this is all coming from a very, very genuine place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like these guys got toxic masculinity sussed ages ago and it just doesn't affect them at all. Like they're they're kind of a little bit mm-hmm. funny, joshy competitive, but they're like as soon as the gloves are off, they're like, No, no, I'm here for you, bro. And this is one of those moments. His bros are standing around him and he's just standing at the front of the camera whilst everyone's behind him, sobbing his eyes out. And everyone watching, I'm assuming, just has their hands like going, what are they watching? (laughs) But as it turns out, Jim is very, very upset about the idea of meeting his father, which comes out of freaking nowhere. Yeah. This is also when we discover that they're all supposed to be orphans. Or 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 pans. Or pans, Yes. Yeah, say it, right? Yeah. We are all Orpans. So this dorm building is Orphan House. Orphan House. Then then you also have Ninja House. Ninja House. (laughs) And and what's Jeff in? Cause Lighthouse. Oh, he's, yeah, of course. He's not a college So they're the drunken frat boys. He's, yeah. He spent all of his time in that gym, so I get maybe gym house? Gym house, Jim, yeah. Jim has a jet. Jim has a house, so no, that doesn't work. But this is all uh, community college, gym house so... with a G. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's much more open, and, and even even the Cobra Kai can, can, can get uh, an education there. But they're getting an education in crime. Yeah. Um, 
Tell me what happened. Get enough, I'll tell you. Tim, you guys fighting or what? What happened? This letter. What letter? John, what happened? I don't know. He won't tell me. Huh? Jim, tell us. What happened? Jim, what is this letter? Tell us. Go ahead. Tell us. Why don't you explain to us? Come on, we're we're your best friends. Sorry, is hiding from this for me, guys. Oh man, let's see. But what is this? this looks like your brother. I didn't know you have a brother. It's my father. What? This is your real father? Yes, it is. You sure? I didn't know you had a father. I thought we are all orphans. My mother was Korean, and my father was Black American. She gave me this picture when she was real sick. I was only nine years old. They say that they loved each other and they were real loyal. They were real happy. But then when he finished military duty, he left. And we never saw him again. She told me to find him. But I didn't like him because he left us. But I knew one day when I grew up, I'd find him. Whether he was dead or alive. I sent a couple letters to the defense department. You will find your father. So they lose their shirts and plant a mailbox and hit the beach. Like immediately after this crying scene, immediately, within half a second, they're like wandering out onto the front lawn and, and planting a mailbox in the in, in the, the grass and go, Yeah, this is gonna be great and it's this is when it's you know, it's gone back to that um dude, let's film ourselves scenario. <laughs> Like, that, that was when they were at the college, it was the dude, let's film ourselves, and now when they go to the beach, they're back in dude, let's film ourselves mode. But it has, it's, it veered into sensitive bros for just that couple of minutes, and then we're back into dude, let's film ourselves again. But this is immediately following The Warriors 2. They go to the beach and it plays Friends Forever We Stick Together, in case you weren't already sick of that song. And by sick, I mean loving it. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, I just, can listen to that song forever. They're, they're driving around. And you will. Was this actually yeah. da- Daytona Beach or was this a different beach? I, I think that was Coco, actually. Yeah, you know what? Coco would have been the easiest to get to just because you take the 520 <clears throat> yeah. straight until you run into Ron John Surf Shop. That would make sense. I recognize that brown water. <laughs> we went to Coco Beach and uh, it is it does look exactly like this and it's it's not. Um, like, it has way more people than were on it when we were there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we did pass the Ron John Surf Shop. Yeah, we did pass the Ron John Surf Shop. They had good mini golf down there, that, the one with the, the shark. That was a great place. But um, 
Yeah, so they're, they're hanging around Daytona Beach looking at ladies' butts. And, um, and for one weird moment, there's a lingering shot of the male lifeguard's ass as well. Just, <laughs> just for parity. Just, yeah, absolutely. We're just throwing that in there just so that to make sure. tell us we're sexist. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> equal opportunities, butts. Um, and then Mullet, to prove he's definitely not gay, falls into the boobs of two passing sunbathers. And uh, he's, what is he, to say he's the boob inspector or something? No, it was he walks up to a woman and says, all right, how about you just give me a kiss? Just randomly. Random woman Brilliant. just asking for a kiss, and she pushes him, and he, he falls onto the boobs of another girls. woman. Brilliant. Okay, and then he gets he gets dragged the off. section of the film. And he gets slapped and dragged off, and yeah. like he's laughing to himself, and he is basically the guy who, if this was a Jason Voorhees movie, he'd be dead in one of the most comedic fashions, because he's... like We watched all the Friday the 13th recently, and they really seem to have an axe to grind about the guy who plays pranks on women. Yeah, but but again, the the anti toxic masculinity thing. There's no indication that that kind of behaviour is in any way successful no. for him. He gets slapped, he gets pushed, he gets told to sod off. It's it just there's you know yeah. what I mean. It, it, he doesn't get lucky had, as a result of no, it. No, not yeah. at all. If he had one more major scene, we might actually see him learn something. But of course, he doesn't. No. He, he have another major scene where he gets, he gets act. kidnapped. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I almost had an arc there. Yeah. Yeah. So what fun. could you learn whilst being kidnapped? Oh my god. What? It's just hit me. It's it's symbolic. Basically, he's the only one who really treats women as objects. Yeah. By the end of this, he's being treated as like an, an objectified object. woman. Oh yes. my lord. This movie is secret genius. <laughs> <laughs> So while they're on the beach, Mark, uh, Kim himself, remembers his parents because he's been spurred on by Jim and Jim's reminiscence. And uh, he's, they're both looking at the sea and, uh, and um, they have a sensitive and sweet little cuddle on the beach and they watch it wistfully. And again, it's, it's, it's about ten times as touchy-feely as, as any um, action movie you're ever likely to see. And, and it seems to be totally cool with this. Absolutely. Like, nothing wrong here. Not even making a point. This is just what people are like. Apart from John, none of them have particular girlfriends, so it's not as if they're sort of deliberately trying to insert partners in here to go, they're not gay. They're mm. not gay, all right? It's like, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it is. really I lovely. I honestly don't even think they think along those lines. No. They're just like, well, this is just how I, I act when I hang around with my bros we're very supportive of one another we give each other a little cuddle sometimes we have a bit of a wrestle you know it's yeah we very rarely wear shirts and usually our pants are undone uh, I like to feed my friend with my fingers <laughs> <laughs> and, and pull on his nose with my toes <laughs> they're very touchy with each other back to the cause like Cobra Kai as they meet with an allied gang it's the Dexys Midnight Runners gang Again, like they've they've just had their asses kicked, and the lead Dexy's Midnight Runner is wearing this big bandage around his head with a, a blood spot on it, like a Japanese flag. Yes, <laughs> he just he looks just... so like I got really fucked up last night. I'm so sorry. Like at that stage, put on a big hat. 
Yeah. His bandage just... just keeps getting bigger and bigger as he keeps getting beaten up more and more. Throughout. Like, he never wins a fight. He just gets more injured no. as the movie goes on. But it's the it's the fact that this... this I don't know whether he, he just continues to bleed. I mean, is the guy a hemophiliac? Maybe. He, 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 I don't know whether he's changing the bandage, but every time he turns up over the next few days, there's this big, huge blood spot on it. Change the help... bandage? Yeah. <laughs> I can't help but wonder if there's a cut scene where you see him in the final battle, mm. just in a wheelchair and a cast, <laughs> and just bl- bloody cap. Or maybe just, like, without a head, like he just, it, it, they finished him off and removed the head. That's that guy! Oh. Yeah. Oh, he was that last ninja! Or, it's, it's a secret commentary on the state of healthcare. There's a missing scene where he goes to the ER, nice. and, and they're like, okay, dude, you really need some stitches in this, and he's just like, I can't afford it, and walks out like Charlie Brown. Or, I'm just a cocaine dealer, I can't afford stitches. Unless, it's a case of, he's one of those, like, overly macho guys who just shrugs it off and goes, nah, just stick a bandage on it, no problem. And, just, and he won't go and see a doctor about yeah, what's yeah. obviously also an infected possible. head wound. Because yes. yeah. the cause like Cobra Kai, they are toxic masculinity. Absolutely. Turned up. Personified. They drink, they work out in a very aggressive way. Yeah. They and do the wave. Yeah. Yep. And they're mean to each and other. And they're mean to Jane as well. Yep. They, yeah. Remember she comes in and asks them where Tom her. is and they're all leching over her and watching her leave the room. Well, anyway, so... Um, Dexy's Midnight Runner says to Jeff that, you know, there's one thing you need to know about these guys. They're all black belts in Taekwondo. And then, like, you can imagine that Kim thought to himself, well, that's going to make the audience go, yeah, prove it. So now we cut to about 17 minutes of them practicing Taekwondo in their Taekwondo geese in the garden, fondling each other's noses with their fair, sweaty feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's behind the math and sciences building. Oh, goodness. That's the back side. Like, if you were to pan the camera slightly to the left, you would see where they keep the dumpsters. Oh, <laughs> glossy. That nobody got thrown in a dumpster is a great waste. Well, if you pan to the right, <laughs> would there be just a class of mortified students staring out at them? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is happening out there? So <laughs> this is this would be when uh, Mark is obviously the best at Taekwondo. Um... I've got John here, but apparently it was Jack, apparently. No, 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 it was John. Get, oh, really? Gets punched in the face. Uh, and, no, and Jack got punched in the face. John really? was the dude with the knife. Okay, sorry. Oh. Jack he got was punched the, in He the was the face. one foreshadowing the knife. Right. Jack got punched in the face, and then his reaction when uh, uh, Kim's... Uh, sorry, Mark's fist is in his face is to give it a good old suck. He's just like, Whoop, what if I just go... <laughs> Which is why that's on your T-shirt. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's when Mark tweaks his nose uh, with his own feet. Um, and then they, they have a bit of an, uh, like a pretend knife fight. And then that gets... I mean, ultimately, this is, this is um, Kim saying, listen, Taekwondo is a serious sport. And, you know, this is, this is how uh, we, uh, we, we like to practice. And like, it's sort of a centerpiece of the movie to promote Taekwondo in the same way that uh, uh, Bruce Lee would have uh, promoted Jeet Kune Do or... Um, uh, I suppose, who else is uh, tied to a specific art? Yeah. I don't know. Van Damme Think that's... particularly promoted kickboxing. He kind of did. He was in a film called Kickboxer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally called Kickboxer. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Right. Tony Jaa tends to kind of promote uh, Muay Thai in, in, ter- in terms of like 
he only like, he is the the Thai boxer. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that means YK Kim is the Tony Jar of Taekwondo. Obviously. Probably. <laughs> uh, folks well, at home, name a better Taekwondo actor. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You don't scare me at all. In Korea, he was super big. By like 14, they were talking, making him a Taekwondo master. Right. He was. He is really good at Taekwondo. I mean, make no mistake about it. He is very talented at this particular martial art. Oh, yeah. This so. guy who approached him with the idea of making a movie. Mm. A documentary about Taekwondo. Probably would have been better and cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they, they were trying to razzmatazz it up to really promote it. Like, the kids won't want to watch a documentary. No, well, they the want to see Miami Ninjas. for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they overshot regarding how many kids would want to see this. However, <laughs> I, I will say there is a major significant difference between him and, and uh, Tommy Wiseau in terms of the, the funding of the film. Mm. It, it just makes me think of, of my... I, I have a weird thing about people who have wealth mm. that basically, if I can't see how you made your money mm-hmm. and it, it may possibly or very likely involve people coming to harm yeah. then I have issues with that where's the money from Tommy exactly <laughs> how old are you Tommy we know <laughs> where YK Kim's money came from he mortgaged yeah. his schools he you know took got loans from banks there seems to have been a legitimacy in how he came by his investments mm. Tommy Wiseau we still don't know where are you from Tommy he's telling no one <laughs> This makes me immediately suspicious. Yeah, so Kim risked a lot and clearly didn't. it did not pay off for many, many years. Uh, there is a, a silver lining to this tale, though. Uh, they have a can of Pepsi at the commissary and discuss rock music and playing new gigs at each other's countries. At this point, the plot's kind of derailed. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, it should be gathering steam and it's back to just friends forever, hanging out, and, like, it's just, bro, Dude, let's, let's just film, film ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, we should play gigs at each other's countries. Um, and then... It's like but- a sequel bag. Yeah, like they're going yeah. like they were planning a sequel where Dragon Sound goes on a world tour and mm. fights ninjas in other countries. Yeah, although so like far, Italian ninjas and Irish ninjas. Yeah, and, the, their world tour seems to consist of Ireland, Israel, and Italy. They're only going to go to countries beginning with I. Right. <laughs> so they can also so, go to Iceland, India, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Ireland, Israel, Italy, and the Ivory Coast. Yes. <laughs> Going to Iran, Iraq, and Israel in succession. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> they should absolutely do that. They should spread peace with their message. Um, yes. They're basically the Bill and Ted of this universe. They kind of are. Be excellent yeah. to each other. Party on, dudes. It, although, <laughs> if you go to Iran, Iraq, and Israel in succession, then you immediately become part of the peace process, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. You get they, if a they'll medal let you do one. that, you've achieved something. Yeah. 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 And if your concert plays to more than four people when you're there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, after this, there's some serious drama as a bunch of assholes uh, uh, in the, uh, um, co- the restaurant of their, uh, their Korean uncle start to like trash the Well, they don't exactly trash the place, they just leave without paying. And then the uh, um, proprietor runs out to stop them from going without paying him, and they start to beat him up. And it's like, oh my god, he's going to get beaten up, and then that's going to be a source of revenge. And no, no, he can handle himself. In fact, he's really handy, and he kicks the crap out of them all. <laughs> and it's like, well, you almost had some drama there. 
It, yeah, it's less drama, but I love old man fights. I love watching an old guy kick a bunch of young guys' asses oh, in too. movies, particularly if it's, you know, like martial arts spectacle. I yeah. love that stuff. It reminded me of Jackie Chan as Mr. Miyagi and, of course, Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi, yeah. um, just uh, yeah. spanking a bunch of teenagers rather than hurting and them. And it's a very different slant from that sort of Harry Brown, this is a guy who's been nursing a grudge for centuries, just waiting for a group of teenagers yeah. to get on his wrong Step side. Step to so me and I'll smack them kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's disturbing. <laughs> But, yes, yeah. it is. Um, so, yeah, the uh, Mark. The, then we cut back to the club, and Mark fondles John's nose with his foot on stage. Is that John or Jack? I can't even tell I anymore. Say John, while talking about how great Taekwondo is and how it teaches us to be strong and gentle, which again, they're great message. they're leading by example. They're showing us the strongness and the gentleness throughout Absolutely. the film. Yeah. So Jane talks to Jeff, her brother. We're going back to film one. I, I want my brother to accept my new boyfriend. Jane talks to Jeff about John, and he tells her not to see him, which effectively doesn't move the story on one millimetre. No, we are yeah. still back at where we she's were like, when he punched him in the car park. She's like, I really like this guy. And he's like, you're not to see him. And she goes, you're terrible. And then she, he leaves. and she Sorry, she leaves. And it's like, so there's, we're not going to dig any deeper as to why at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, this, this would have been a great opportunity for character development, backstory, yeah. backstory. Yeah, backstory would have been awesome right here. Jane really does remind me a little bit of Lisa from the room. Mm, a little bit. You look so yeah. sexy, Lisa. You're not to see him again, Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny. At, at the same time, like shit, like Johnny in the movie The Room is a, a, like a nice guy and a full guy, and um, you, you you know you 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 think that you know. It, it took all of these awful people to completely ruin his life and then he killed himself and now we're all sorry because it's a world without Johnny. Whereas in this, these guys are all like super supportive with each other and if only it weren't for that Jeff, things would be all right. Mm. Jeff and all of his other ninja, biker, uh, hillbilly cronies. <laughs> <laughs> this is starting to sound more like a really bad horror film. Yeah. It would just be called Jeff, because he, he's yeah, the Jeff. one that really antagonizes everything. So um, the, the warriors then get attacked by the bushwhackers in a railway yard and fend them off. This is the bit with the Streets of Rage music being, being fairly perfect for that. And there's, a, there's yeah. a weird moment where Axel Rose on meth attacks... <laughs> so Axel Rose? Yeah. <laughs> attacks John, and like he's like doing this weird kind of like fisticuffs, like that. And it kind of reminds me of, um, there's a bit in Demolition Man where a cop try, tries to attack uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. No, the other one from White Man. <laughs> job. Uh, Wesley Snipes. Um, uh, but he, for some reason, like, he's, he's learned Marquis de Queensbury rules. And he's like, whoop, and he's got his fists up. And Wesley Snipes is taking the piss out of him with his fists up going, oh, God, I'm gonna... like that. It's that same kind of, like, really stiff, silly fighting. And obviously they're, they're doing this as a comedy scene. But it's... Um, it's kind of at odds with the fact that everything else in this film is hilarious. So it's like, right, we're finally going to do something funny. And it's like, no, 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 you've been funny the whole way through. This is just an extra joke. Thank you very much, though. Yeah. yeah I'm sitting there wondering what Axel was trying to accomplish there. Like, what, what are you doing? You've just saw, you've seen these guys twice now mm. kick the asses of many people. What did you hope to accomplish there? I think he was trying to instigate the aforementioned dance-off. <laughs> I think he was trying to do what David Cross referred to as the kind of the, the hillbilly bravado thing, or the, or the, the redneck bravado thing, where he's... 
Man, cause I'm, you opened up the wrong motherfucking can of worms, bitch. You opened up the wrong can of worms, man. Cause this, this is you going, oh man, what's this can of worms? I'm gonna try this can of worms out, man. See what's up in here, man. And you fucking open it up and, you know, take you a long time cause you got one of them old fashioned, uh, you know, can openers ain't electric. They, you know, crank out like this and all that shit. And then you finally get the top, you know, and you go to peel the top up and be careful cause that shit sharp. But you pull it back. And you just looking at, look at that, that ain't nothing but stupid little can of worms. What's that about? I don't give a shit about that little can of worms. Then when your back's turned, all them worms climb up on top of each other, form one big worm, and, and kill you with this worm-like veracity. That's what it, that's what it is. By the way, for a more positive depiction of the Southern lifestyle, I cannot recommend Logan Lucky Enough by Steven Soderbergh. It's an excellent heist movie. Like trying to intimidate John into surrender or flight. So he's doing the Tomcat thing of yowling as hard as you can yeah. in the hope that you won't actually have to bite anybody. I think yeah. that was what that was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, but, he, was, he was hiding before he showed up, though. It's like, you just stay where you are. Yeah, you're safe. Stay there. <laughs> like, yeah. After this... the fight's over, be like, yeah, I, I got a couple of good hits on that guy. Did you see me? At this oh, stage, you, you were too busy? Oh, he could just pretend bad. to be unconscious at that stage, just lie on the ground in a daze. Yeah. No one's, dead is no one's counting bodies at that stage. Yeah. But the best thing about that whole section is the look on John's face. He just like puts his head on one side as if to go, huh? Eh, Seriously? Really? Huh? We're doing this, are we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Indiana Jones look before he pulls his pistol. Ah, yes. But his pistol is his foot. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, Mark gets some keyboard news from Mullet, um, that would be Tom, and uh, gives gives uh, Jim a reassuring cuddle. So, like, Tom's talking about oh, making oh. his music, and then... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but oh, before yeah, yeah, we move sure. on from that last one, mm-hmm. those two cops who show up at the end oh, yeah. are actual, were actual um, Orlando police Hot who cops. wanted to be part of the movie. Nice. And you could tell that they were nervous, because one of them didn't realize what he was doing and pointed his actual loaded service pistol at his partner's chest in the middle of it because they were nervous about being on camera and he didn't know what to do with his hands. This is like Chief Wiggum scratching his head with his (laughs) revolver. God. Yeah. Take him away, toys. Why do I suspect there are an awful lot of police reports that begin with, I was nervous and I didn't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> oh, far too many. Yeah, we're getting into an uncomfortable area here. Yeah. So, um, it's it's back to the uh, the the reassuring, sensitive bros as uh, um, the, the, the Jim is is thinking about meeting his dad uh, again, and uh, then Mullet gives everyone a bre- their breakfast mail in this really extended breakfast sequence, uh, and then they go to college and. Thus ends story two, and story two was the let dude let's film ourselves because basically after this innocence is lost, it's on after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Mullet gets kidnapped, um, he's just like he's he's at college, looking like he has no business there, and yeah. uh, he gets. Well, you can tell that he's a college student because all of them are wearing UCF shirts. Yes, probably their own UCF shirts. I would not doubt. I can't actually remember the scene frame for frame. Is he wearing a shirt at all when he's outside college? <laughs> 
when he gets kidnapped. I know he's wearing a rope belt because when they fling yes. him to the ground in the uh, kidnap um, uh, shed, he's wearing a rope for a belt. There's just that's a uh, well, my rope came loose. Ooh, What's that yeah. from? He... It feels like The Simpsons. <laughs> it does. You calling yeah. us a bunch of cheapskates? Well, my rope came loose. Um, <laughs> he definitely doesn't have a shirt on when they throw him into the shed. So unless they took it off. He wasn't wearing a shirt. Maybe his shirt just slides it, off him. That's how sweaty he no, is. I think, they, I think that it was supposed to be that they ripped his shirt off because he was wearing the UCF shirt because okay. uh, he was parking the car. They were about to go into Pizza Hut and Pizza Hut would not have let him in without the shirt. No exactly. shirt, no service. They frown on that exactly. Disney. Yeah. yeah. So he's parking the car and not putting the top up even though it was raining. Right. I guess it's a roadster. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. And that's when, they, that's when they got him. They grab him. Perhaps... He, um, uh, Michelle from the room snuck in and performed the, her trick with the pants <gasps> yes. on him and his and shirt. The and the chocolate? Yeah. Yes. You know, chocolate is a food of love. <laughs> Apparently so is pizza. So is pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so they throw him in the trunk like a ham and uh, <laughs> they, he gets taken to the shed and then, um, uh, Let's see, Kid Rock Harrelson is hanging out at Improv with White Boy Bob and Benny's World of Liquor. That's what my note was there. That's when they're all just <laughs> hanging around in the gym and they're all just like gesticulating to each other and they're improving when Jane turns up and Jane's like, yeah, have you seen Jeff? Have you seen Tom? Oh, have you seen Tom? Right. Yeah. And, he says, and, and then White Boy Bob pipes up, I ain't seen nobody since 1967. And it's like, <laughs> that that's what happened. As, as uh, Wiff Track said, that's what happens when you let people like that improvise. Yeah. <laughs> now we know where that four keys of Coke went. Yes. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they all just sort of, like, uh, sleaze over Jane, who's there to see her brother Jeff, about her guitarist boyfriend. Um, so... I'm assuming I did. Did they? Did we get a scene with her and Jeff where she says, "Jeff, I want to see my guitarist boyfriend," and he says, "No," and then the, it doesn't advance the plot one millimeter. Or am I just imagining? No, we've that? done that one already. No, right. yeah, yeah, no, that was already. But no, this was. Uh, we just she wanders off, and then we get to stick on. Um, we get to stick on the Coors Light um, Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah, yeah. We can How stick on the Coors Light Cobra Kai for a while while they teach each other to dance, which I assume they're going to be the new backup dancers for Dexy's Midnight Runners. Again, it feels like they were just trying to make up the seconds of the running time in this movie Possibly. by just letting, filming them goofing around. I seem to yeah. miss this every single time we watch it, but where do they find out that Tom has actually been kidnapped and that a rescue is going to be required? In an unfilmed oh, scene. Yeah. where Jeff that tells Jane we kidnapped him don't try to save him because then Jane is walking by Aeola Lake am I right there? yeah uh, yeah with John yeah. we actually walked past we walked round this lake with you guys and uh, it's a lovely place at night mm-hmm. um, and it's got this you know gorgeous water feature which from the looks of it has been there since at least 1988 and you know it's got some fantastic art all the way around it which I'm assuming is more new than the uh, the water feature yes yeah, yeah. and uh, you know uh, Gorgeous place, and, and this is where um, John tells Jane that they they're gonna they're gonna go and save Tom tonight. But uh, then they just go off and have a day. Yeah, they're just laughing yeah. and chilling, and it's like you've just acknowledged that Tom has been kidnapped. You're going to rescue him. To go and rescue him now, dude. We didn't film ourselves. <laughs> we got to get pizza. <laughs> that taekwondo takes a lot out of you. 
we can't I know how they figured it out. Tonight. I know how they figured it out. Tom used his psychic powers to communicate with all of them. Of course. He is the Professor X of the Miami Connection. Of course uh-huh. he is. That's it. That explains a lot. That's it. So, cut to the knacker's yard where the, the warriors <laughs> attack the idiots and save their mullet. It's a lengthy two-tribe scrap ensuing, uh, and they are, of course, successful. Um, yep. Nothing goes wrong with this. Well, I suppose one thing goes a little bit wrong with this particular rescue thing. Yep. I, I call it a two-tribe scrap because it's one of those ones where you could stick on two tribes by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and it's the perfect soundtrack as these guys sort of smush each other. Yeah, I acted. Do, do John and Jeff fight with what appear to be um, aerials? Yeah. Spiky pipes. Spiky pipes. Spiky. Well, uh, John already has the world's sharpest pipe. Oh right. Like, like earlier on, he attacks somebody, it hits him in the neck, and then suddenly, like seventy squibs all oh. explode at the same time. Oh, it's disgusting. Like, yeah, I'm sitting there like, you guys realize the pipe is a bludgeoning weapon. It doesn't have a sharp edge, right? But no, apparently not. That pipe, that that magic pipe did. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but Jeff, does Jeff die by falling? Was it an accident? I think so, yes. That was, uh, yeah. Mark accidentally kicked him off the top of the green elevator antenna mm. random structure. This feels like it should have had an additional scene added to it where, like, John ran down and, and like, Jeff was bleeding out and he was like, God damn it, Jeff, why did you make me do this? Like, I, I, I hate you for what you've done and you endangered my friend, but I don't want you to die because it'll make Jane sad. But that's not in it at all. No, it's not. And Jane doesn't care, frankly. Yeah, Jane's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah Jane's like, you had to do it. Like, when they finally meet her and this is her last scene, she's like, yeah, I thought about it hard. And he's like, I'm sorry. So sorry about what happened. I felt so bad about that. It's not your fault. I understand. You had to do it. We had no choice. I understand. It's all over now. Don't worry about it. Like he was like, I'm sorry I, I, I ruined your pair of shoes. Like, I'm sorry I <laughs> murdered your brother. And she's like, ah, you know what? It had to it happen. It took me a couple of goes. I knew there was something. <laughs> it, it took me a couple of goes to work out that that's what they were talking about. Because it's just, <laughs> there is no correlation between I killed your brother yeah, I yeah, know. you had to do it. He, he was, was a rogan. <laughs> High five. Oh, she's broken. Okay, we've lost Sharon for a bit. I'm not sure we'll be able to carry on. <laughs> she's just making cat noises now. Or kitten noises, actually. Cats are bigger. <laughs> so anyway, um... <laughs> we cut back to Lake Eola um, and it's uh, Mark walking around with John and they're worrying about the repercussions of killing Jeff like, oh, <laughs> my girlfriend's gonna be well not angry well not even all that pissed off like yeah. my girlfriend's gonna be resolute about it <laughs> oh dear she's are you okay <laughs> She's just huffing and puffing. <laughs> so we cut then back to the white ninja dude we mentioned way back at the beginning of the film. Who Yoshida. Okay, Yoshida, who we... Yashito, who we've occasionally Yoshida. cut back to. And they're like, like he's like, so, as you can see, my ninjas are very good at training. And like it, there was a shot of the ninjas training a bit in the daytime, running around. <laughs> Hang on a minute, yeah. wasn't he telling... 
telling them earlier on how bad they all are. No, well, he's he tells them they're bad. Oh, I see. He tells visitors they're good. They're excellent. It's yeah. a pitch. Of course, can't tell the difference. I have the best ninjas. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I've had very good feedback on my ninjas. <laughs> so, uh, he decides that they must avenge the death of Jeff. Um, Wait, one thing I think is great about that particular sequence, there's actually two things I really want to point out. First is the guy who sets the lo- sets the boards on fire and then fails to punch through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he punches what? through some of them. That's better than I could do. <laughs> He's almost yeah, a ninja. It's one of those you can you can magically make fire appear out of nowhere, which is something that nobody else. There's been no other magic in this other than Dragon Sound's magical musical talent. Um, but then suddenly he's just making fire appear out of nowhere, and then yeah, I got like three of those. Well, I got Cory uh, Cory Haim in Almost a Ninja. It feels yeah. like it's a movie that could have happened. Um, and the other thing is when they told um, Yoshino about Jeff dying, mm. they said, your brother, Jeff. And I'm like, wait a minute. My, his sworn his brother, brother surely. So uh, clearly, Yoshi- like the sister, his literal blood sister is like, eh. But his like buddy brother, this, yeah. <coughs> I think basically this film should have been called Blood is Thicker Than Water. No, Water is Thicker, thicker Than Blood. blood. Yeah. Especially some of this watery blood they've got for the effects. It's all over the place. Boss, we've got a big problem now. Jeff's gang's all here now. I'm sorry, boss, but your brother Jeff is dead. He was killed by Dragon Sound. We must avenge Jeff's death. We will not escape the Miami Ninja! There is a scene, actually, towards the end where somebody gets stabbed mm. with a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. And in it, <coughs> there's a... He coughs. <coughs> That's what happens when you get stabbed with a samurai sword. Of blood. <laughs> and then, just off camera, it's like somebody with a water pistol is squirting water out of this person. Is it a spritz? Quite possibly. <laughs> of red red cochineal. I, I don't know whether it was, like, meant to have food colouring in it and just didn't. Right. <laughs> As long as it's liquidious. Um, so, oh dear. Um, you ran out of money for food colour. It feels like that might actually have happened in this film. And they went, sod it, just use water. Literally yeah. no one will notice. So the ninjas go back to doing some coordinated training. They're running around in the jungle looking like the most day-glow, obviously right there ninjas. I mean, I don't think stealth is their thing, really. It's more just yeah. intimidation. Mm. Which, at this point, why wear the ninja outfits? Mm. You are Tradition. more anonymous in jeans and t-shirts. Well, they're, they're a lot scarier than the Cobra Kai in this. True. The, yeah. True. Yeah. Cause Cobra Kai. But, um, sorry, cause light Well, they're not drunk Kai. for a start. Yeah, well, that, 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 <laughs> that helped. We that don't know that. <laughs> they're slightly better coordinated than crackhead Axel Rose. Mm. So, <laughs> Jim now gets a letter of good news. Is he a power of three? Yeah. Oh, of course, scary yeah. Scary letter. Yep. Scary letter. Yep. Good letter. Good letter. And the good letter's like, we found your father. And he's like, oh my God, that's fantastic. And his buddies pick him up in celebration. They bear him up on their shoulders and they're like, we love you, Jim. And I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen to Jim? Yeah. And Jim gets ready to meet his estranged father. They all club together and buy him a new suit and it's it's kind of lovely. That's, yeah, that's really yeah. sweet. I yeah. love that bit. I- 
Yeah, I really like that. Like, how much, uh, Mark saying, how much money do you have in your bank account? I don't know, 200 bucks? I had that, you know, you know, actually just asking, like, yeah, let's buy him the best suit. Yeah. Which is a kind of okay suit. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, uh, it feels so like, how much, how much money have you guys got in your account? Six dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and by the way, I, th- uh, that sounds like I'm making fun of people who've had six dollars. I've had six dollars in my bank account frequently, so I know the fucking feeling. Yeah. Um, so, and less. Yes, and less. There was that one time we weren't sure whether we could buy a lettuce. That was maybe the lowest point of my yeah, life, actually. Possibly, I was like, yeah. can, we, can we buy the lettuce? Anyway, so uh, Jane turns up and seems fine about Jeff having been murdered by these guys. It had to be done after all. Thus ends story one. The whole, my uh, brother won't accept my boyfriend. Well, he doesn't have to now. He's dead. He's dead yeah. My boyfriend killed him. That, End of. That resolves that particular narrative line. So they drive to the airport to pick up Jim's dad, and they drive into a gang of ninja bikers in broad daylight. So these ninjas jumped on their bikes, and they went straight forwards. And thus, story four, the ninja drug smugglers, and story five, Warriors 2, mashed together at long last. Because story- That confused me, actually, because all I saw were motorcycles driving themselves. I, I didn't even realize. They were so stealthy. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, it took me a while to realize, oh, ninjas. So these ninjas are furious, and they will pay. these guys will pay for the death of Jeff. Are they also quite fast? They, yep. <laughs> they are both fast and furious ninjas on bikes with a lot of talk. Uh, and uh, so they, uh, they need to have a fight, and the best place to go is the park. And uh, you, you, Where is this place? I... Honest, I could not place this at all. I don't think this place exists anymore. Right. Because I do not know that part at all. It's kind of like an abandoned botanical gardens that, like, it was a gardens, but it's now a little bit more of a wilderness. It's definitely swampy. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I'm trying to think of any place low lying enough Mm. that it could be that, and nothing's jumping to mind. Parts of it sort of look like some of the trails at at Wakiva. It might be Wakiva, yeah. That Maybe. that would make sense actually. Now they think about it. So whose Which job is was a, it in Orlando? At state yeah, park? it's a state park. It's a natural spring. Um, I don't know when they would be able to film there in that daylight. Yeah, they would have to do that in the winter when nobody is there because the spring is where you know people go to swim if they don't have a pool readily right. accessible. It feels like I could be wrong, but was was Tom there, the guy with the mullet, poking away all the gators with sticks to keep them at bay? Because it really feels like gator country. <laughs> Very bad. Uh, no, Tom was. Uh, they left Tom behind. So well, that's what I mean. Off camera. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why Tom's not in the fight. Yeah, because they needed someone to poke gators. <laughs> Tom, yeah. you're on gator duty. <laughs> so um, they they fall into this swamp. And a bunch of ninjas sort of crowd around them, and um, it's basically it's it's Kim, which is um, uh, Mark, Mark, and uh, it's John, the guitarist, the the lover boy, and um, they're they're the ones who are probably the handiest, and they're kind of holding their own against ninjas. But it's also Jim, and within seconds, Jim gets slashed across the chest and screams. His chest explodes. He looks like an alien's come out of him. He 
looks like Willem Dafoe in Platoon. And this kind of does turn into Vietnam in Miami at this at this yeah. point. Because they drag him down into the swamp. And they're like, he's like, oh, God, I'm bleeding out. And they're like, you're not going to die. And then, like, they're dragging him through the swamp. And I'm like, all of that bacteria. Like, even if you yeah. didn't have an open chest wound, that is not a swamp I'd want to be dragged through. It's not through. a safe environment for an injured yeah. person. Yeah. As opposed to those... Hypoallergenic swamps. Yeah, better, oh, yeah. Indeed. Those the, swamps. The 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 cleansing swamps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, like uh, because of his friend getting sliced across the chest, John goes crazy ape bonkers with a sword, hacking up hapless ninjas who run screaming, and like he literally he scares them. He's yeah. roaring at them and chasing them around with a broom handle, and they're like, "Get the fuck out of here! We've really pissed them off now." But it's like, what did you expect, ninjas, that they wouldn't be pissed off? You, and I love that he like rips his shirt open, oh, yeah. like incredible or like Hulk styles, and then gets it like, trapped on his arms to get shaken <laughs> I may not have thought this through. <laughs> yeah, like, hold on a second, I'll, I'll be right there. All right, now I'm ready. And this is probably the best fight in the film because like every fourth ninja that gets killed gets killed in a really spectacularly bloody way. Like, you know, he'll hack one across the uh, the face and, like, it'll spray. Really, uh, like, there's a lot more chasing than there is killing, so that really only amounts to about three ninjas get killed. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the three ninjas from three ninjas. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. Now, the version we saw on YouTube, and this is somewhat disturbing... At the end, the last ninja sort of, like, hobbles his way towards the white ninja who's been sat there like Master Splinter, just like, uh, or practically, practically like, Uroko Saki, like the Shredder, just waiting yeah. to be the main event. Just, like, you know, he's like, I'm sorry, sir, they, they killed all our ninjas. And Shredder gets so pissed off that he just hacks off the head wholesale of this final ninja and goes, right, I'm going to just jump in there. The YouTube version we saw... It ends without the next fight. Like, a, a really quite yeah. impressive little fight between uh, Kim and this white ninja, Yoshito. And, uh, like, it's a, it's a katana fight. And it's not, like, Scott Adkins impressive, but it's good for this film. Yeah. But it's... that's not on YouTube. All right, the reason why is that the original cut did not have that fight. That was one of the reshoots that they did. Oh. And if you pay attention... It's not the actor who played Yoshido in the costume. It's the actor who played Jeff in the costume because the actor who played Yoshido had already left for Korea of when course. they did this. Right. And the reason why they did this reshoot is because, and you're going to, you're not going to believe me at first, but stay with me. They screened this at Cannes, mm. and well, everybody for a start, said, I'm not going to believe that they got to Cannes with this. How? They did. I don't know. I, probably Wu Sang Park pulled some strings but they screened this at can yeah and kind of everyone said yeah that's a real downer ending because the original ending had jim dying and that's how the movie ends yeah and all these distributors were saying there is no way we can sell a movie that jim dies at the end it's just not happening even if we call it jim dies at the end exactly yes <laughs> just but set God people up for it blood but like he got really injured, so like what basically happens in the YouTube version that that I got? Um, so actually, this couldn't have been the original cut. There's a bit at the end end, which obviously they added the extra scene, scene in. Yeah, okay. 
after Mark either does or doesn't kill the white ninja, but like runs around screaming with his sword, like really just giving it. See, I, I do think though they missed a trick there. If it was the actor that plays Jeff, they should have just have him be Jeff's ghost, and Mark has to beat him again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am fine with this. Better movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a pretty great fight, and uh, then they cut to the car. And, um, like, you know, Jim's going, I'm going to die. And then John keeps turning around and going, you're not going to fucking die. And it's like, wow, they're pre-copying Reservoir Dogs. Years before <laughs> Reservoir Dogs even <laughs> happened. Which itself was copying City on Fire. Oh, maybe maybe that was City on Fire came first. Maybe, Hold yeah. I'm thinking City on Fire. There's, there's a lot of City on Fire in this movie. It's a sequence that's similar to that bit of Reservoir Dogs and Jim's dying and bleeding out. But it's like, oh, God, we've got to get to the airport. And then Jim just kind of, like, gives his last breath and... The last words of the film are, oh no, Jim's father's on that plane. And it cuts to this really kind of s- s- flashy shot where, like, the, in, in one take, the camera turns to the left and shows a plane going over and then switches very quickly to the right to show it going overhead because um, they've just come to the airport. And it's a, you know, very well-timed moment. Although, once again, John's delivery on, oh no, Jim's father's on that plane is a bit like, oh no, I ruined your shoes and killed your brother. And do bear in mind that, Probably for the first time in his life, John just slaughtered five ninjas. It's quite traumatic. You can die. die. Can't None. Die. Your father is coming. Your father is coming. Don't die. You cannot die. You need to die. You need to see your father. None. Your father is coming now. Oh no. Jim's father's on that plane. And yeah. that's apparently the end. And if you're watching it on YouTube, you're like, oh, Jim died. Well, that sucked. I like Jim. And then you get the credits. And then at the end end, you get the, um, uh, the, the, the key scene, which changes the entire film around. So you guys want to explain how this goes? So you have Dragon Sound sitting in a hospital hallway. Because I guess they don't have a waiting room. And a doctor who looks sort of like Larry David walks through the doors. Mm-hmm. And explains that none of his somehow they missed all of his vital organs. That's what ninjas do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that's they just how lightly just, graze you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So it looks bad, but he's really okay. And then they wheel out Jim, who, whose father is also sitting there, and it looks a brand like they new just character took, at the very end. Yeah, this brand new character, and it looks like they just took a guy and added baby powder to his hair to make yeah. him look whiter. That that man is less old than they're making him seem. Yes. And he sort of woodenly explains how he's sorry that he missed so much time and he's glad that he will get to talk to his son now. Hmm. And then they roll out uh, Jim who looks fine I guess. Um, yeah, He doesn't even have a bloody bandage on his head. And we already know how bloody those bandages get. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the, the movie ends with them rolling him out and Dragon Sound. Yep. The only thing that would have made this more perfect is if they all jumped and it freeze-framed. <laughs> <laughs> Including Jim from his wheelchair. <laughs> Especially Jim with the wheelchair. Brilliant. 
that uh, honestly that would have been fine i'd have been fine with seeing that um yeah. and th- th- is does it in your cut of it end there and with the, the the quote only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace yes, yes. Because in the version on YouTube, that's what you get immediately after Jim apparently bleeds out in the car. And it's this really somber, sobering ending. And I actually think probably would have made for a more powerful film. But um, uh, it ends up with this really sweet end point, which is actually more consistently in keeping with the rest of the film. So it sort of comes less out of nowhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, then, then it plays a song which I believe goes, We are Taekwondo family. Or something along those lines. Yeah. And that, that's the quote. That's yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah. And and it's one of those like where it shows who everyone was in the film along with their name and the name of the actor and, and uh it's a bouncy and jovial uh, ending. And obviously if you're watching the version on YouTube, then uh, you get that stinger at the end and you're like, Oh thank god I didn't turn off because that that's a that's a maybe the most like changing the nature of the movie I've ever seen. In a film that that even beats Thor 2's Oh, actually, Thor and Jane do get together at the end. This sort of brings us to the availability of this film, which is the toughest thing to swallow in 19, in 2018. It's really hard to get, especially in England. You can't get it anywhere in England. You can't get the DVD. There is a there was a limited edition pressing of the Blu-ray made, and they are about ninety nine dollars in America. Mm-hmm. Um, which works out at about seventy-eight pounds in England, uh, and um, you can't see it on Amazon Video, same as you couldn't see the room on Amazon Video, which I hope changes sometime very soon. Mm-hmm. And you can see the Rift Tracks version, you can see the other live Rift Tracks version, and that's really all you can get. And that feels yeah. like a dramatic oversight. Like if if yeah. the the tampered version the 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 riff tracks version the one that's had that's been um uh covered in graffiti vocal graffiti is available to watch but not the original film just feels wrong it's it's a shame um in america we can get on amazon video both to rent and to buy but you know it's i'd like a blu-ray of this i don't want to pay a hundred dollars for a blu-ray of this but this is one of the movies i would definitely like to have a kind of physical copy of something that i could take around to my friends well just an inexpensive dvd that's fine but you know yeah yeah, yeah i think it may does s- not need to be in high definition finest quality yeah, 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 fair, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I think it skipped the dvd phase entirely yeah well because that was the thing it had its resurgence do you want to tell us about that oh yeah sure it's um so basically what happened was um one of the guys who worked at the original Alamo Draft House in Austin was poking around on eBay and bought a film print of this for thirty-five bucks, having no idea what it is. Mm. He, you know, he bought it, he watched it, and he loved it. So they started putting it out on midnight screenings in Austin, and they became really very popular. Well, they decided the Alamo Draft House said, "You know what?" we should try to figure out a way to get this out there more, figure out something with distribution. Let's call YK Kim and talk to him about this and see, you know, maybe he'd be interested in selling the rights or sharing or something along those lines. And Kim thought it was a cruel prank. Yeah, he hung up Because this... That. Yeah, he hung up several times. He thought this was somebody making fun of him because it really hurt him that this movie did as poorly as it did. Not yeah. just, you know, financially, but emotionally... He put a lot of heart and soul into this film, hmm. and it just 
flopped miserably. So he thought somebody was making fun of him. So they flew him out to Austin and showed him one of these midnight screenings to show him how much people were enjoying his film. And that's when he sort of came around. But he he was skeptical basically until the moment that he saw that thing. He thought it still might be a joke. Hmm. And uh, he actually showed up at the first uh, Rift Track screening of the live one here in Orlando. No. To watch it. We, we saw it at the second screening, so yeah, we, we did not get to see that part. Yeah, but he was he was in the crowd, apparently, and he had a great time with it. I know that The Room has made its six million back uh, now over time. Uh, do, you, do you think that this will ever make its one million back? I hope so. Hmm. I genuinely hope so, because it's just one of those movies that... The thing that I love about it is why it's my favorite Nanar is that it is so sincere and so there's so much heart in it. Mm. You know, it's it's incompetently made. It's made by people who didn't really know what they were doing, but it's made by people who loved what they were doing and really thought that they were going to make something that was going to touch people and encourage them to be kinder and more sensitive and more loving toward one another. Which, it could be argued, is what Tommy Rizzo was trying to achieve. At least it's what he claims he was trying to achieve. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's weird because this is very... Um, this is this is kind of unique among Nanar because what those films have mostly in common is that the, the personality driving the creation of these pieces of shit <laughs> <laughs> um, are, are really full of themselves mm, they, are they tend to be quite tyrannical genius. Yeah. they are generally speaking at least unpleasant to the people that they're working with mm. um, and the whole thing just comes across like a confused mess but like it, like we've said the the genuineness and the, the sort of real heart behind this almost lifts it out of the Nanar category almost Almost. Oh, that and, and the kung fu stuff. Like ultimately, it's sometimes it kung fu, taekwondo. When it's like doing some of the street fight bits, you could be convinced for thinking you're just watching a really, really, really low budget um, movie from the '80s, which technically you are. Yeah. But yeah. like an actual movie made within the studio system somehow. Yeah. Although what I really love but like about the Golan Glo- Globus or um, yeah. Canon films. Canon yeah. films. Yeah. 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 I do love the fact that this this really kind of uh, accentuated for me how good the so-called straight-to-video market for for that kind of of, uh, stuntman-driven or stunt-person-driven, sorry, action movie has become. Yeah. Because there's some really, really good ones out there that don't get Mm -hmm. cinema releases. Pretty much anything with... Probably carry one. Yeah, pretty much anything with Scott Adkins in it is worth a watch. absolutely. Or Cynthia Rothrock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by all accounts, YK Kim, unlike Tommy Wiseau, is just an amazing person just mm. kind sincere and just a nice guy yeah. yeah well you could tell he wasn't the main character of this movie yeah John yeah. Was. yeah no that's true it's not Mark. like story. I said he's kind of like John's supposed to be the hero he's the one with the girl and the relationship troubles and Jim's the one with the actual narrative <laughs> yeah and Jeff's yeah. the one who doesn't like John yeah I think um, Mark's we were, kind of a mentor figure yeah Mark's kind of very yeah. fatherly it, fi- it felt like if Mark had never said Anything Like, you know, if they'd all just realised, listen, YK, English clearly not your first language, but you've got a great presence to you. If you are basically Mani in uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, 
But rather than uh, like having to go by this kind of like you know, well, he's actually no. Even in Brotherhood of the Wolf, like people just assume he's your he's Fronsac's man. But yes, they, um, he they says do. no, we're that's, brothers. That's where he part of their disguise, yeah. in a way. That's how he gets him in places yeah. that he wouldn't normally mm. be allowed in. But you you could have had, like I said, you could have had um, Y.K. Kim only speaking Korean, yeah. occasionally. And then yeah. like, actually, or honestly, been Snowman in uh, Blade Two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, Donnie, that's Yen. Donnie Yen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like the idea being that if he'd only ever spoken, like, like if he'd never spoken at all, that makes him snake eyes. That makes him a, a, the guitarist with mystique. That yeah. makes him someone that but people. But then, what's Tom gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Tom, you don't talk so much either. <laughs> but yeah, like, but it's, if 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 John had done all the talking and had had even the slightest amount of charisma and been able to say, you know. I'm not scared of you at all. And then, like um, Kim had sort of come in and been really quiet, but like th- uh, not threatening, but in that in that kind of like confident. I know that I can kick your ass. And then when he finally starts to kick ass, you're like, "Whoa, the quiet guy really knows what he's doing." That would actually have been less hilarious and more like an actual film where they knew what they were doing. The fact that he does talk and that his grasp of English is is terrible kind of makes it more in that Nanar family thing. And he gets to deliver some really kind of sweet speeches in, in, in ways that just like end up being you know, filmed in a, a supremely awkward fashion, received awkwardly, but not necessarily filmed on the day awkwardly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, maybe. My parents are still alive, but even if they are still alive across this ocean I wouldn't even recognize their faces what's wrong nothing's wrong Jim sometimes I wonder who my parents are. You know, I'm from Korea when I was a baby. I was raised in an orphanage. I don't even know. My real name and my family. I hope one day we'll find your father, for he's like our family. Don't worry, we're all friends here, one family. Well, the yeah. other thing is as well, actually his, because his, his grasp of English seems fine, his pronunciation is, is somewhat off. Mm. However, that masks acting issues. Everyone <laughs> who can speak English perfectly sounds like a flipping idiot. Because <laughs> <laughs> memory is so poor. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? I'm the leader of a group that played out of Park Avenue. We got fired and then the new group beat us up. So what? I need you to get rid of them. Get my job back. If you do, I'll join up with you. It's just one thing you got to know. They're all black belts in Taekwondo, and they're pretty bad. If you get my job back for me, any money I make is yours. It's that damn band again. 
there is that. Meanwhile, he's sitting there saying, but we are all orphans. And orpans. you're looking at his face like, is that a face of somebody who is really genuinely shocked by something? Mm. You're not thinking that. You're thinking, he just said orphans. What? What's happened? Yeah. And pretty much everything that he, he said could have been said by someone else. And they probably didn't also need Jack if they had Jeff. But then again, they really needed a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. They did. (laughs) Maybe don't call all the white men something beginning with J. How about that? Why does your narrative require you to have a drummer? Because it's a band. And that is why we need Eddie Van Halen. Well, then ditch one of the guitarists. (laughs) You don't need three guitarists. But if you ditch John... None of the guitarists look like drummers. Jack looks like a drummer. Maybe get Jack to do all of John's stuff. Jack was a terrible actor. He was. Maybe was John was the only one prepared to do that stuff. Yeah. 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 And John I feel like he might. There might have been a scene where he got kicked in the head a little bit before talking about the, the about the world tour. But, hey man, okay, we Jack, should yeah, go to only countries tour, beginning just... with I. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just lay down, Jack. It's fine. Somebody get some ice. Uh, it's possible that Jack was like a reserve John, just in case John's actor couldn't go through with all of those love scenes like that that uh, smooching on the beach that he does. Yeah, they did. Oh, well, all right, so we got very worried he, about the sand fleas. That is very salty water as well. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, cheese. All right, so the actor who played Tom was the one who was dating the actress who played Jane. Oh, and they were really- how? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. They're roughly but- the same height. Yeah, but. <laughs> Tom must have secret hidden depths. <laughs> They're in his hair. Yeah. But they were really... He had depth extensions. <laughs> yes, I broke Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But suffice it to say, though, they were really nervous about the kissing scenes between John and Jane. Really? Because, they went yeah, on for ages. Tom- yeah, because Tom was on set, so they used to send Tom out for beer for everybody during those scenes and then film them quickly while he was gone is, so that he wouldn't have to watch his girlfriend kissing his friend. Is that why Tom had to fall into the boobs of the sunbathers to even yeah. it up? Yeah, come over here, Tom. <laughs> you have to, you're going to fall into some boobs. we got some boobs <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, it, it, it's... Yeah, it's they're always searching for that equilibrium. That's why we got the um, lifeguard bots. It's the same thing. I love the idea that they had to like babysit him. Do you, you have your juice box? You got it there, buddy? You okay? I'm going to take you for the beach. Around, around the beach in a little dune buggy. <laughs> so, um, any, anything else about this film that we haven't mentioned? Because we've given it a, a thorough, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, like celebration, actually, more, rather than a pasting. Yeah, I think I, I hope so. Mm. I love this movie. I know. <laughs> if, if you can't tell from from my reactions of just around this podcast, I die laughing every time I watch this. Mm. It just it it just cracks me up every time, mm-hmm. and it, I think it gets only gets funnier on upon repeat watching. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to listening to the soundtrack repeatedly because, like, if they weren't yeah. earworms enough before, they're gonna be. Oh, now. they will be. Oh, yeah. they will. Uh, but- when we went to the Rift Tracks live, they gave, one of the free offers that they had was a copy of Friends. Oh, nice. 
the Escape from Miami song, Friends Against, Against the, Ninja. the Ninja. I'm a tough guy. That's the song the when the, the bikers are just biking around being tough guys. And then we are Taekwondo family. Like, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a killer soundtrack for you right there. That is, yeah. And of course, we haven't even mentioned... Um, oh, no, I, I did mention Friends is the end of uh, Far Cry uh, Blood Dragon, which actually, if you look at the poster for Far Cry Blood Dragon, seems to have taken quite a bit of its design uh, from from this film as well so um and actually do you remember did you see um kung fury last year it came out on netflix it was sort of a very I, retro 80s thing oh yes yes i remember that one the one with thor in it yeah and the dinosaur mm-hmm. yeah it's a bit confused and it's quite short and it's fine turbo kid's yeah. better but uh, uh it's good have you guys seen turbo kid not yet. Oh, no. man. I keep meaning to. Turbo Kid's it, weird because it's it seems like it would be perfect for kids, but it's fucking gory as shit and disgusting. It really is. <laughs> Mad Max, if they accidentally cast Michael Serra. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Turbo Kid's less annoying than Michael Serra, but Apple makes up for all of that. She I, does. I honestly like, recommend seeing Turbo Kid, guys, but bring a strong stomach because some of that gore will catch you off guard. Not during dinner, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that is available to view on Netflix, but uh, Miami Connection is not, so you're going to have to beg, borrow, and steal to actually see this film. Uh, and like I said, it's it's on YouTube for people in Britain, but apparently not for Americans. It's called the Friends Forever edit. Mm. Although you will miss out on the final ninja, ninja scene. But you can see that ninja battle if you watch the Rift Tracks, uh, which is available on UK Amazon Prime, if you happen to have Amazon Prime. And Americans, my suggestion would be, you got three bucks, you can rent this film in in crystal clear SD. <laughs> Put some change in YK Kibbs' pocket, why not? Yeah, I mean, we want to get him up to his, like, get, get that million dollars. I would far rather um, suggest people buy uh, stuff rather than, uh, um, like, you know, rent it, watch it with friends, and then you'll want to buy it on, uh, on proper, like, you know, Amazon video and uh, maybe, maybe they'll do a DVD one day or uh, it feels like we're kind of past that now doesn't it a hmm. little bit yeah but who knows maybe there will be a major resurgence you know after everybody hears this school of movies mm-hmm. and knows how great it is I think and- we're overestimating our reach but uh, <laughs> but yeah the uh, um, I I, I, I would like to see more difficult to find films become readily available uh, via digital rental and purchasing absolutely uh, if it if it you know makes that 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 is the best like the availability there is the best way to combat piracy anyway yeah make it they, straightforward for people to see and the the digital availability is made for these tiny little films that can't yeah. get distribution anywhere else which Nobody would wants to pay for you know it would be so. like throwing money down a well to turn it into a whole bunch of discs that may or may not get sold and to mm. basically just set, ship them out to stores yeah. just digital it's easier that yeah. way and yeah. it's for when people like you know just get their friends around and, and like once you've seen it you'll be like right I'm paying 10 bucks for the full version of this and I will get friends around and show them it and make sure that they have lots of beer and juice boxes <laughs> or a tall glass of water with this one <laughs> Okay, so that was uh, Miami Connection. And we've actually got another Nanar coming up for you. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be next week or the, the week after. we got Birdemic, which uh, both of these were commissioned shows. Oh, you, Sharon's going, <laughs> we're going to be less kind to Birdemic. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's damn hilarious nonetheless. Mm. 
So we're staying in Nanar territory for a, for a little while, folks. And um, yeah, if you like this and we're missing something uh, in the Nanar canon, by all means suggest stuff to us if it's easy enough for us to find. We saw Manos, the Hands of Fate, which somebody suggested. That was fun. Grotesque and awful. Mm. But uh, it was it was fun to watch. But uh, it couldn't compare to Miami Connection, which we saw in the same week. And uh, yeah. Also saw Sorceress the other day. That was... Uh that was something else. The 1982 movie. There's uh, there's several available. If only for the guy who... I mean, this is this has in common with Manos, The Hands of Fate. That has a guy who's supposed to be a fawn in it. This guy is also supposed to be a fawn, but he only ever speaks with the sound of a sheep. It's absurd. He's in the background of every scene, and people are like, you can't be my father. You represent everything I hate. And he's in the background going... So yeah, we'll, we'll end on We Are Taekwondo Family, as is tradition. Um, and uh, you guys, where can people find your work? Um, you can find me at sequentially-yours.com, where I do deep dives into comic books and comic book-related media. Mm-hmm. And you can find me there as well. Um, a main place to find me is on Twitter. You can either look for Debbie Morse or uh, at bestet8300. All right. We will be back next week. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's out. You don't scare me at all. Jane, I want to talk to you later. Goodbye.
you guys seen Tom anywhere? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't seen nobody since 1962. Come on, you guys, Doctor, how is my son? Jim was extremely fortunate. The wounds weren't as deep as we initially thought. He did lose a lot of blood, but there was very little internal damage. Oh, thank God. When can we see him? He'll be out shortly. I'm going to leave him under your care tonight. He needs plenty of rest. And if you have any problems, just give me a call. Thank you, Doctor. Your being here has meant a lot to Jim. Mark, I don't know how, but I swear I'm going to make right what I have done wrong. Today, I almost lost Jim for the second time, but because of you, he's still alive. Mr. Brown, Jim is like my brother. I would do anything for him, anything. Jim! Jim, how would it feel? It still hurts. But seeing you guys again, and seeing my father, it's all that matters. Jim, you're really blessed to have such wonderful friends. They really care about you. And I want you to know that now, I really care too. Please forgive me. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. Thank you, nurse. gonna mess with our band again. Now we're all safe. Jim, it's all over. Let's all go home.